Hello and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 93. And that's sounding awfully close to show number 100. I'm so excited and I'm so thrilled that you all join me each week uh, for the show. I really, really, really love bringing all of these wonderful discussions and topics to you guys. And I always appreciate the reviews and those of you who join the Patreon community. Um, we've got the wonderful Low Tox Club happening now too. And it's so great to actually get some more regular conversation around these shows happening in that private Facebook space. Um, the details for which, by the way, are in the show notes every week. So you can always um, jump in there and, and check it out if you want to join us. Now, today I have a wonderful show for you. It's Plastic Free July kicking off next week. And um, for those of you who haven't heard of Plastic Free July, it's something that was founded by Rebecca Prince-Reese about eight years ago. And I came across it, I think about five years ago from memory. It was quite early on in the piece of the blog. I'd only been going for a couple of years, but I'd been writing a few pieces around plastic, especially single-use plastic. is something that bugs me big time. And I had, I had worked so hard to break my own habits to start to minimize the amount of waste that I produced as an individual and that my family produced. We'd gone down to a tiny bin. We'd started composting through the local council initiative and um, and we'd done some things. So I was always writing and sharing as I still do now. But back then it was so exciting to see this initiative kick off. And originally um, Rebecca founded it through her um, local council as an initiative. Um, and she's going to share with us today the story about how that got going. Uh, but what I love is that now it is this huge thing that millions of people unite to work on around the world. And whether you've done it before or not doesn't matter because there's always just that next little level you can take things to by refocusing for another month on plastic reduction in your day-to-day life. So it's really inspiring. And I wanted to have Rebecca on the show because I absolutely love what she does. Um, she's uh, turned it into a um, for-purpose foundation now. So it's not part of her local council where she worked in WA. She's gone out um, solo and created this incredible foundation with an incredible mission and, uh, and I, I think it's important for us to have talks regularly about the plastic pollution situation, not to wallow around in a pit of despair, but to actually keep that fire lit in our bellies, to keep going, to keep improving. And I know even just by the end of my chat with Rebecca, I made different choices on the weekend that ensured I, I produced less waste and bought less wasteful options. And, um, you know, it's, it's no one's ever perfect on this journey, but we can all get a heck of a lot better over time. And that's what it's about. So today's chat is about not only Plastic Free July as an initiative, but the state of our oceans, the state of the plastic pollution situation, and some really um, practical and philosophical chats around this issue and how we can all band together and, um, and make our planet a heck of a lot happier than she is today with the way we've treated her. So I hope you enjoy that inspiring chat. I wanted to remind you that you have another week now to make the most of that free 18 centimeter skillet from the guys at Solid Techniques. It's worth $119.95 and it comes to you free when you purchase the nickel free stainless steel noni saucepan. 
You might have heard me talk about that in great detail last week, Um, but if you didn't, uh, I'm a huge fan of Solid Techniques. Mark Henry, the engineer, founded it, and she, and he, sorry, (laughs) I just saw a little text message come through from a girlfriend, so I think that's why I said she, and I'm not cutting this out because I want to show you that I'm a real person who sometimes just makes mistakes. Um, He... Um, very inspirationally set out to design cookware that would last centuries and centuries. Um, He was fed up with the statistics of millions and millions and millions of pans going to landfill every year and has wanted to create this buy less, buy better, in in this case, buy the best um, business with um, incredibly well-engineered pans. And, uh, and he manufactures both here in Australia and now excitedly in the US as well. And, uh, and you can make the most of the Kickstarter campaigns that they run every now and then. I'll pop the details in the show notes of anything that might be going on now. And, um, and also, of course, make the most of this incredible offer. So you're going to buy this saucepan. You're going to be handing it down through your family for generations Uh, and you're going to get a wonderful other pan for free that would normally be worth $119.95, which is an 18-centimetre skillet pan, and um, it's a a wonderful, wonderful little pan for um, for solo lunch, little stir-fries and things like that, or a couple of scrambled eggs in the morning, that kind of thing. That's what I use mine for. And the noni saucepan we use very, very often. I use it to reheat sort of soup for two, three people, Um, it's that kind of size. I just love the quality of the entire range. Anyway, um, today Go Low Tox started, the e-course that helps you identify environmental toxins across your entire day-to-day and reduce them. And uh, if you haven't signed up yet, it's not too late. So head to the show notes and you can do that or just head to the top bar of lowtoxlife.com where we've got the prompter to come and join us for this round. It's really just going to be such an exciting round with the book around the corner. You have two days to make the most of your pre-order bonuses as well if you're wanting to buy the book. So the details for that are in the show notes as well. I'm not going to crap on anymore. Oh my gosh, I said the C word crap. Um, My mom hates that word. I'm sorry. Two mistakes in this intro. Shocker. Here we go um, uh, with my chat with Rebecca. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Hey, Rebecca, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, and happy to be talking to you, Alex. I'm so excited to have you on the show on the eve of Plastic Free July as well. It's so exciting and excitement is building out there as well as you see just more and more people jumping on board each year, which is always brilliant because I actually remember when, gosh, you know, when I first came across Plastic Free July was a few years ago now. And it was teeny tiny and it has just exponentially grown. It's just such a such an exciting initiative that's become so much more than about one month of doing something because a month is all it takes to start building some new habits and then you've actually changed culture, which is what I love about it the most. So I guess um, I'd love to start with where your plastic awakening journey started. You know, some people who work in this space – Um, grew up in hippie families that hated the establishment and, you know, you know, always did things in, in a really, um, uh, close to nature way. But, you know, sometimes people have awakenings along the way. And I I certainly was one of those people. So I'd be super keen to hear how that played out for you in your life. Yeah. Um, 
Good question and always one that the answer is interesting too. So mm. so I did have this aha moment and an awakening moment. But as you're saying, hippie families, well, we weren't <laughs> exactly hippie, but I do remember when we were in high school and we'd have these compulsory sports days and my mother was very anti-compulsory sport. We were members of the anti-football league in our house and I remember like we didn't have to go and do the the events at school that were running running around the oval to to raise money for the dance kids we got to go pick up litter down by the river and have the day off school if we wanted so probably started there oh nice <laughs> i have a similar memory well not similar but definitely a childhood memory of sort of being aware of litter which was my dad always when we went for walks he would always take a plastic bag, ironically, with us <laughs> to fill with rubbish that we found along the way. And um, and I remember my mum was mortified by that, but um, <laughs> but I kind of liked it. And, you know, now I really, really like that that's how my dad was. So, um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, sometimes I think these things that these childhood memories kind of go go forgotten then, but then you just realise later in life how deep those those footprints are. And, and, you know, I know we'll come to this later, but I think that's something that gives me hope now, just knowing, you know, with with the children in my lives, you know, how much more aware they are of these issues than, oh, yeah. than they ever was. Totally agree. Um, and unfortunately, the reason they're 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 so aware is because they've been forced to be because it's such a dire situation now compared to when we were kids, right? Oh, absolutely, mm. absolutely, and that's certainly a big driver for me to want to change what we're doing. So, yes, let's do yeah. this. So, how so, did you know, going going back to my aha moment? Yeah. So I was I started I was really passionate about sustainability. I've got a science background. I did my degree in botany and geography and I ended up just working in local government as a waste educator, um, a six-week job which turned into eight years and <laughs> and and it was a I we ran this course called Earth Carers and we took community members on a, on a journey of their waste and one of the things that we did was we took them to the local waste and recycling facilities and when we went to the landfill to be honest like I was a bit um not underwhelmed but like land modern landfills are so well managed they capture the methane they control the odors um and I'd always been to the tip with my dad growing up so it was there was no surprises there but when we went to the recycling facility so that's where all of our curbside domestic recycling goes. I think most Australians have a yellow lidded bin for mm-hmm. that. I was just blown away. And it was firstly like it was quite some distance from the, the city um, where this facility was. And it's not actually where it was recycled. Uh, it was a sorting facility. They call them materials recovery facilities. Yeah. And, and two things blew me away. One was just a sheer volume of what I saw. Um, just looking at one suburb's recycling for just two weeks. I couldn't believe how much there was. And also when you just started to look at this whole process, so this is where they sort it into the different material types, the paper, plastic, metal and glass, and then with the plastics, like the different types of plastics. Yeah. And then they bail that up and then they 
put that onto another road train and then that was going to be the port and going to a recycling facility and I just never thought about it before you know you put stuff in your recycling bin I'd always felt like I was doing the planet a favor by recycling and it's not that I don't think recycling is important it's definitely important that we recycle um, when we use products that have recycled content it's got a much lower carbon footprint but it really hit me in, 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 in waste education. We always talk about the waste hierarchy. So that's that reduce, reuse, recycle message. Yet we just focus on the recycling. And the more we do to reduce and reuse, the, the much better, the much um, more of an impact we can have. And mm. so when, that night when I went to put out the recycling, I think it was a yogurt container I was putting in my recycling bin and it turned from this feel-good moment for me to how did I come to have this item in the first place what other choices could I have made and and what could I have done differently so it was a real switch in my thinking that I felt at a very personal level Mm. and I'm half Spanish so I'm quite I always describe myself as being slightly impulsive (laughs) my husband might use a word slightly stronger than slightly um (laughs) I went to work the next day and said, right, I'm going single-use plastic-free next month. Who wants to join me? And little did I know what I was saying in that in, in, in that sentence of the incredible journey that that would have led me on over the last eight years. Wow. And so is that when Plastic Free July was born, eight years ago? Exactly. Mm. So people often say, so why July? And to be honest, there was no focus group and no... <laughs> You know, looking at the calendar, it was July was the next month. So yeah, that's and that was when you decided. Yeah, that's that's when then when we decided, and and my goodness, I've learned a lot over the last eight years. And, I bet. Um, as as we've explored it and realised, you know, this is a very shared concern: the plastic waste issue and the Huge. plastic pollution issue. And can I ask, Beck? like think back to that very first time you did it with a couple of office colleagues because a lot of people um, out there, just our regular Joe people who maybe haven't had that awakening yet, see a few things on Instagram, see everything looking so perfect and so advanced and see so many different changes that have been made by certain people that, you know, you just see it online and often can kind of dis- be a little bit despairing and think, oh, I'd never be able to do that. What? Let's just come back to the fact that everybody who's advanced now was a beginner at some point in time. What was your beginner experience like? What were your biggest challenges that first time you did it? Yeah, um, look, they're not looking at my Instagram if they see everything <laughs> being perfect, that's for sure. Same with mine, people. It's, uh, it's all about reality, I think, but... But I'm always interested, you know, because a lot of comparison-itis is a real issue. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Look, look, when we started, I mean, we didn't even use social – I never even used social media, so, so we didn't use it for the first couple of years. And, and to be honest, when I started and I had this idea, I didn't actually think it would be that hard because I already thought – I was pretty sustainable, mm. but what it does, and I think this is one of the great values of Plastic Free July, is it just makes you realise how much plastic there is in our lives. Like I'd never, I'd never 
use plastic shopping bags. I'd use those little produce bags. Um, I was too stingy to pay for for water in plastic bottles. You know why? Why pay for something when you can get it from a tap for free? Yeah. So I thought I was pretty good, and it was really quite shocking and confronting to realise just how much we used. So it was it was a real journey, and it was. By doing it together, so some of our earth carers, volunteers and friends and family, my colleagues joined in. So there was about 40 of us in that first year. Oh, wow. It was a real learning curve and it was, you know, I didn't know how to do it. So we'd have these conversations in our office and um, we used to write this email, share this email conversations and, and someone would say, oh, what do you do about pasta? And someone else would say, oh, you can buy it from this bulk food shop or this brand it comes in a cardboard box or this is my nonna's secret family recipe don't share it with anybody else (laughs) yeah it was that like I didn't have all the answers but together we, we we kind of started to figure something out and you know then it was about milk and and making your own nut milk or buying this particular brand in a glass bottle and we it was a real journey that we went on together and it was sharing those sharing the solutions and also equally important it was sharing those failures and those frustrations and mm. knowing you weren't the only one to say oh, you know, can I have my drink without a straw, please? And then feeling the mortification when you get two straws for your trouble and thinking I failed and I can't do this. We've all been there. Yeah, we have. But to to know we've all been there and other people are in the same situation, you know, we want to be part of something that's bigger than ourselves and we don't want to be the only kind of slightly strange awkward person doing these things I know I always say that my my secret motivation for running Golo Tox is basically so that I'm not the only weird hippie out there (laughs) just want a whole bunch of other people to help us all start to feel normal oh absolutely (laughs) absolutely and it and it's you know, you want other people to, to do it with. So you've got your, your tribe and, and you're not the only one, but you need those other people to help you figure it out. Yeah. And importantly, it we get enough of these. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. It takes a village. And when we get enough of these other people, um, then that's when we start to change the system and that's when these retailers will offer other options Um and they start to get the message because they're getting that consumer demand. Mm. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're seeing so much of that. Like every day it seems Taiwan's banning um, straws next year. You know, the UK has put £60 million behind a plastic reduction effort. Woolworths is banning straws and reducing plastics in 80% of their produce lines. You know, it's really, it is happening. But it didn't happen because the Prime Minister said so. It happened because people like you and me said so in a great enough quantity of people that made them listen and made them realise, oh, wow, we're not going to get their dollars anymore if we keep using this plastic. Oh, look, I I absolutely agree with you, Alex, and I think, you know, take the plastic bag ban, for Mm. example. You know, we've done some some consumer 
some market research on this issue and, and the, the levels of support here in Western Australia, 85% of the public agree with a ban. Mm. Now, what politician wouldn't want those numbers on one of their policies? So, mm-hmm. you know, I, th- I think that the, the, the supermarkets and, and, the poli- and the state governments that are introducing the plastic bag bans, they're listening to to people and and we um our minister put it really nicely the other day we and he he launched this year's challenge for us and he said you know people said well what's the answer and he said well there's no silver bullet there's no one answer we need the we need the push from the people and we need the pull from the from the government to change regulations and we need the manufacturers and the businesses to get involved as well. Mm, and I love what you just said there because basically that translates to it's going to take everyone. Oh, absolutely. Mm. And I always say, look, look, it's the whole living plastic free or zero waste or low waste. Like in some areas, like where I live, like we've got a lot of options for purchasing goods in bulk and getting your containers refilled. And our retailers are, are increasingly coming on board. But in some areas, you don't have those options. So it's totally. definitely easier to do in some places than another. So I always say when I'm when I'm doing public talks, I always say to people, you know, don't focus on what you can't do, focus on what you can do. And I really believe that we can't all do everything, but we can all do something. Mm. And those small daily changes that we each make add up for impact. Yeah, so true. And um, speaking of impact, how many people partook in Plastic Free July last year in its eighth, in well, seventh year it would have been if this year's the eighth? Yeah. Hard one to answer because although, you know, we encourage people to sign up at our, our website mm. um, and so we can support them through the campaign in that way, our, our research shows that, you know, so many more people actually participate as individuals and organisations and businesses and officially sign up. So our kind of running of the numbers, our conservative estimate for last year was 2 million people from 159 countries around the world. Amazing. It is. It is amazing. And it is that, you know, to me it's, I love this Plastic Free July story and the journey because it's it's the sum action, total of the actions of all of those millions of people around the world who've done things in their own lives mm. and then they've said, I want to take this bigger to my friends, to my family, to my colleagues and, and then those individuals in businesses and councils and organisations that have gone on to, to do it there and it is that it's a great example of that kind of well-worn saying you know think globally but act locally totally absolutely and what I love is you know often there'll be that person just as you said who then wants to take it to their workplace and um, someone in our low-tox community has done that and so I'm actually going to give a presentation in uh, August it is uh, and we're going to um, basically reveal my visit to their bin in the office and how much uh, stuff was in there that just didn't need to be in there and what we could have done instead to drastically reduce the amount of waste in that bin. And um, and I just love seeing these people just go, right, we need to do this at work because that then just not only impacts the workplace but all those people then take it home and do it with their families. And you can so quickly see how these webs of impact 
are woven um, over time. It's it's really quite amazing. Yeah, it is, and I love hearing the stories of what of what people have done, and it, and it's really, you know, I think it, it what what it what it does is being involved in in plastic free July or trying to go zero waste or reduce your waste. It it kind of connects us with our own so many of our own you know consumer choices and our behaviours that we're just not even aware of. Yeah. You know, in, where I, I live in an old um, suburb of, of Fremantle here in WA and my boys had a, when they were younger, had a sandpit in the back corner of our yard and I think that was their incinerator. So they um, they, they were trying to dig to, to China for a few years there <laughs> and, they, you know, we've got Cute. the most amazing amazing collection of glass beautiful old glass bottles and you know that's all that's left behind from all from of their waste you know they would have had chickens they would have had veggie gardens but now we're just we're so disconnected from you know not just from our environment but from from our waste you know we we throw it away we put it in our bin the council comes and deals with it and we never think about it again whereas Mm. this is kind of almost taking that step back to how it used to be and looking at, well, what am I making and where is it going and um, am I okay with that? And you know yeah. what? Usually there's no one that says actually I am okay with how much waste we're producing or the plastics that are ending up in the ocean and the stomachs of seabird chicks, you know. Oh. No one's actually okay with no. that. So it, it's that connecting our deepest values with our choices and our behaviour that we're really often quite unaware of. Mm, Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's so true. I mean, you can't see a film like Blue the Film or Albatross and think about the world and what we consume in the same way ever again. It's it's actually just not possible. And a lot of people use that as an excuse to therefore not look at it at all. But... You know, all you have to do is think about a grandchild that you might have one day in the world that looks as it would for them if we continue on this trajectory. And it's just, you know, we can't get bogged down by how horrific it is now. We need to use that as fire in the belly to turn it into something amazing as we all unite together. And I'm such a big believer in that, which is why I just love what you're doing. Um, now, you're not doing it from the original home that it was born in, are you? You became a not-for-profit this year. We have become a not-for-profit. It's um, official. It's <laughs> official. It's official. Where, um, although my board doesn't like that term, they like to call us a for-purpose. Love it. I think that's actually far more appropriate. So let's go with that then. Yeah, yeah. So we've set up the Plastic Free July Foundation to continue. I mean, we'd we'd well and truly outgrown our our council boundaries. It is national and it is it is global. So we've set up this foundation to to deliver our to continue to deliver the the challenge, the Plastic Free July Challenge, which has been such a success. Um, and our our vision is is a world without plastic waste. So mm. we've um got a lot of work ahead of us, but it's great to see that the awareness is is growing so rapidly, and we're all about translating that awareness into action. Awesome, that's so good. And has it um has has it impacted the goals that you've set this year to sort of now be 
free as a bird on your own to kind of grow the vision? What are those goals that you've set? So the the, the mission that we've um, established is to um, to dramatically reduce use of plastic and, and increase recycling rates. Mm. And one of our, our big goals for this year is to take well, it's to really continue the journey to take this Plastic Free July message to a mainstream audience and start to help communities and organisations to scale the solutions that have been co-created by this diverse, rich community of participants. So we start to impact and, and work with businesses yeah. and and look at what's happening in supply chains. So it's like we I kind of feel like we're leveraging off this kind of grassroots movement to start to, as I say, you know, turn this problem off at the tap mm. um, and start to, to do that at a bigger scale. Yeah. Right. Um, okay, cool. Now, speaking a bit more philosophically, though, because um, it's just such a huge issue and I, I'm always curious to see how people respond to this, how do you believe educated people who are aware of a, the plastic situation are still using single-use plastics? Is it just as simple as they just haven't been shocked enough yet or had a personal enough experience with how um, massive this issue is because I you know, I live in a very well-educated area and, you know, I look at everyone coming out of Woolworths with shopping trolleys full of plastic, not just the plastic bags themselves but then the plastic bags for the fruit and veg and then all the plastic packaged um, snacks and things. And I just think how? How in 2018 does that make sense? Yeah, so I guess my take on this is that it's not that people don't care. So when we did this market research mm. across um, across the state last year, we found that it's 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 not, the the level of concern is at ninety percent. So ninety percent of 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 people in the community are concerned about plastic waste ending up in landfill and plastic pollution in our oceans. So that's a really high level of awareness, yet we don't have 90% of people in the population avoiding single-use plastic. Mm. So I've had people um, say, well, you obviously got that wrong. And it's it's not that people weren't telling us the truth about what their what their values were well it was a market research company that did this on our behalf but it, there's a real gap or disconnect between people's values and their behavior um like i've talked to people about the ocean plastics issue and the plastics ending up in the stomachs of our wildlife and and I, and I remember having this conversation with somebody about this, and they'd heard about it, and they'd read about it in the paper, and they were outraged. They were drinking. They had a takeaway coffee cup and a plastic lid in their hand, mm. and they were talking about the problem with all the people out there that littered. Mm. And there was no connection that that item that they were using might end up as litter and I think this really kind of comes to the heart of the the problem and and 
So plastic is a really useful material. It's not the fact that plastic in and of itself is bad. Mm. It's how we're using it. Absolutely. So we've used more plastic. We've produced more plastic in the first 10 years of this century than the entire last century. And uh, the production set to increase by something like 40% in the next decade. So Gosh. we're just on this massive exponential curve. We're on a bender. <laughs> we're, we're on a total bender. Mm. We're on a total bender. And so we're using it. It's become so ubiquitous that, honestly, I don't even think people see it yeah. in their lives. And they think it's a litter issue. Now, it, it is a litter issue and there is certainly intentional littering that goes on, but one of the the problems with plastic is that all of those same characteristics which make it so useful, so it's cheap, it's lightweight, it's durable, it's flexible, they're all those same properties that makes it a real challenge for our waste systems. So, you know, what? whereas it's technically all recyclable, there's not much of a market and it's expensive. So about only 9% of all the plastics we've ever made has been recycled. Because Gosh. it's lightweight, mm. it, it, it's easy to escape our waste management systems from the bins, from the trucks. Uh, I know at the, the council that I used to work for at our, our, our waste facility, we would spend tens of thousands of dollars a year just on sweeping um, and clearing litter fences just to manage the plastic bags. So these aren't littered bags. These are bags that, that people have, you know, put their, put their um, used as bin liners and then ended up in the, in the waste facilities. You know, it's so lightweight, it is easy to, to escape. Mm. Um, so even if we... If we're using this material with a very and these products with the very best intentions, they can still end up in the environment in the um, in the end. And you know, like as we say, the ocean is downhill from 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 anywhere. So mm. it's the fact that we're using this material, which is designed to last forever, on items that we use for just a few minutes, and then we throw them away. You know, most people aren't intentionally littering, but it's still ending up out there. And it, and it doesn't break down, it breaks up into smaller and smaller pieces. Yeah. So I just think that the people are not making the connection between those things that they're buying and the fact, you know, they could end up in landfill and not being recycled or worse still in, in, in our environment and in our oceans. And this, you know, that's why I think where I think one of the great values of the challenge is, is to start to link that awareness with what we're doing and what what ends up and just by challenging people to take it on whether it's for a day a week or a month you start to realize just how much plastic there is in the um in in, in our world and actually the power that we do have each as individual citizens to make some different choices absolutely and i think you know you did highlight there that it is a precious resources not that it's evil you know if you think about a life-saving iv drip in a hospital or you know many situations where you just go with the flow because it's save the day stuff but all this stuff that we can do around um, packaging and single use is just so massive and just because plastic is still going to exist even if we change those few things doesn't mean it's not worth changing those few things it's one of those um, futile arguments, isn't it, of, uh, well, you know, my little thing's not going to make much of a difference. Well, it is, actually. It really is. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. And we did some exciting 
new work last year. So we introduced a survey into the challenge. So people awesome. share with us their, some information before they do it about their current habits and behaviours and purchases and then we repeat it again um, a month after the challenge. And so we've managed to get from that some, I mean, that that, that survey we just um, – the results that we just have are from for Western Australia, but it was, it was just over ten thousand tons of of household waste that was saved last year, just in wow. WA. Wow, just in one state in Australia, just, just in one state, and so that's waste that was avoided. So that's stuff that was never purchased and used in the first place. And to me, that's a really exciting shift. It's not just this is how many pieces of litter we've picked up from our beach or how many shop, reusable shopping bags I've bought, but how much stuff people have avoided in the first place. And, mm. you know, that, 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 you know, particularly when you consider how lightweight plastic is, you know, that quickly starts to add up to, to make a difference. Absolutely. I mean, can you imagine the state of New York <laughs> doing that and like, you know, 10,000 tonnes in little old WA. Oh, my gosh. It's just mind-boggling and exciting potential. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and so in terms of those, you know, you're talking stats, what are some of the most terrifying stats? You know, if we've got um, those of us who are listening are often you know, in our own little bubble of preaching to the choir. But let's just say we've managed to convince our um, naysayer Uncle Joe or cousin Rachel to listen today and and say, okay, really, you know, shock me, like get me interested in this topic and make me understand just how bad things are. What are some of the most startling statistics that you regularly share in your um, foundation with people and organisations to get more people on board? Yeah, look, to me, you know, probably one of the main ones is the the, the figure of the, the 9% mm. of all plastics we've ever made have have been recycled and that really shocks people because I think we've been all lulled into this false sense of security. Everything's got the recycling symbol and the number so we just – think it's okay to keep buying it because mm. it's been recycled. So, And it's not truly recycled, it's downcycled. So of that 9% that we've recycled globally, only 10% of that has been recycled more than once. Wow. So not being used and used and used again. You, if you're lucky, you, you get one more use. So, you know, from, from the waste perspective, I think that is the most the most startling. And then from the... From the the litter perspective, you know, I like a lot of people have heard about the the Great Pacific Garbage Patch and yeah. seen those those images of 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 Chris Jordan's of the albatross with the, the those heartbreaking amounts of plastic in their stomachs and mm. and and I guess for, from from my perspective, I like to to give and I'm presuming this is most of your audience as well, Alex, to give people the Australian context. Yes. Well, mind well. you, we've got 15% Americans, 10% UK, 10% New Zealand, and then 69 other countries that listen. So no problems oh, with right. going global. Okay, so we'll, we'll go global, but I'll just start with some of some, – so, so, no, I'll start with the global. So, you know, if, if we keep doing what we're doing, we're going to end up by 2050 with more plastic than fish 
in the world's oceans. Gosh. And and that that's the, really the figure that, that gets people. And I guess the ocean has become, and it's not that the plastics aren't an issue for land-based creatures, um, organisms as well, but it's it's the fact that the ocean is, is downhill from everywhere, so that's yeah. where a lot of it ends up. You know, I think the order of the numbers of species are now affected are, are 700. So they've found plastic in the stomachs of everything from as small as plankton to as large as whales and and everything in between and it's that i think the global estimates are that eight million tons Mm -hmm. of plastics enter the world's oceans every year and i always say you know those or you know just about every piece of plastic i've ever picked up from the oceans or got out of a troll net you know those same pieces of plastic have have been in someone's hands and and I do think that those same hands hold the solutions and and when you start start to look at the numbers you know it's just it's mind-boggling and but when I think about it I just think well how how many pieces of plastic am I comfortable about going into the ocean and and taking it to a more personal level how many pieces of plastic would I be comfortable my children having in their stomach? Mm. And you know what? The answer is none, you know. And so I've got a friend, who, who um, Jennifer Lavers, who's in that movie Blue um, that we were talking about before, yeah. Alex. And so Jen works on the shearwaters, the seabirds on Lord Howe Island. And so these shearwaters, they're – um, seabirds, they return to the island each year. They're building their nests in the forest. They're laying their eggs and they're raising their chicks. And so the parents, the chicks don't leave their nests until they're about six months old. So the parents are flying, taking turns to fly out across the ocean. They're, fe- they're feeding in the Tasman Sea between Australia and New Zealand. So largely in the waters off Sydney and, and Brisbane. So this this is, you know, we have some of the, some of the, the, the cleanest oceans, if you'd like to put it that way, in, mm. in the world. You know, we don't have the same quantities as the Great Pacific Garbage Patch or the, that they do in Southeast Asia. We're tucked and away down here. We're, we're, <laughs> we're tucked away. And we've got great waste management systems and we've got a very well-educated um, population. And so these birds, are, their natural diet would be fish and squid and so they're feeding in, in our oceans mm-hmm. and um, then they're taking that, material back and they regurgitate it to feed their chicks and Jen said when she first started working down there 10 years ago she was finding some birds with with plastic in their stomachs but now a hundred percent of the seabird chicks have some levels of plastic in their stomach and I think I think the the, the highest concentrations was something like 272 pieces of plastic in in a single bird and this is things like bottle tops um the bread, the little plastic clips that tie up our bread, um, um, different bits of packaging and plastic film and bags. And um, one of the most common items that she finds is actually the balloon ties that, from the helium balloon releases. Mm. And I was trying to get my mind around this thinking like 270 pieces of plastic and, and I, I can't get my mind around it. I can't get my mind around one piece. I said to her, what's that? What would that be like for us? And she said to me, Rebecca, that would be like the average adult having eight kilos of plastic in their stomach. 
Wow. So think about what it would be like to carry that much plastic in your stomach. Think about how you would feel. I mean, there's not only the physical obstruction and the damage that it can do to our, our internal organs, but the, think about how full you might feel if you have that much plastic in your stomach, how that might compromise your feeding, how what the toxins in that plastic mm. that, that, that get absorbed onto the surface, what they might be doing to your whole, um, uh, you, you know, your whole, um, your health and, and you know how much other food you can then take on as as yeah. well and 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 to me and 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 the 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 kind of the the backstory for that is is that that's not plastic that's coming down to um to our oceans from southeast asia that's the syro research shows that that is plastic which is coming from domestic sources so mm. for me you know, it's it's those those wildlife impacts. The fact that so much of that stuff that we use is is preventable, mm. um, and and we can, and we can change. Um, and you know, if we're we're already on this, as you, I, I love this bender. I'm going to be using that. <laughs> yeah, use it. You know, well, because I, I I like it because then it was just totally something I said on the fly when you were describing it, because it does have that connotation of being slightly out of control. Oh, Actually, absolutely. not slightly, completely out of control. Yeah. yeah, we're completely out of control and it's and it's happened so quickly, you mm. know. Um, I was just writing an article this morning about the plastic bag ban. You know, they were only invented in the late 1970s. Mm-hmm. They probably only came to Australia in the early 80s. So in this very short amount of time, they've now become – the single biggest consumer item in the world. Mm. What we as a human society now make more of than anything else in the world is plastic bags. Yeah. And to me that's just... It's crazy. It's crazy and it's mind-blowing and we could stop it tomorrow. We could. actually all be okay. Yeah, we would. It's kind of like the whole junk food thing. I mean, junk food aisles literally only went into supermarkets in the early 80s. Again, gosh, it looks like a whole bunch of bad stuff started to go down at about that time. Um, and, and so we've all survived for many, many, many years without it, and we can stop it tomorrow. Same thing. And, uh, and we'll all be okay, you know. Oh, ab- absolutely, and I think, look, I, I, it's interesting you, you make that connection there, Alex, because I think, you know, it and plastic definitely has its uses for our, for our medical system and, you know, our, our, our transport system and so many things, but it has actually crept into our whole food system in ways that I think we're actually only starting to make now that, that connection mm. and and you know, I often think of you when I hear this at the end of the July, end of July. One of the most common feedback, positive feedback that we get from people, is they say, "You know what? I've lost weight from doing Plastic Free July." Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah, because if you're not buying food that's wrapped in plastic, you're pretty much avoiding food that's got preservatives in, that's highly processed, that's yeah. got palm oil in. Um, you're buying – it forces you – and I remember going to the supermarket and walking out um, 
with a bunch of bananas and an avocado because that was all I could buy. I couldn't even buy toilet paper that was wrapped in plastic. Mm. So, you know, it forces you to shop at the farmer's market or the greengrocers and the bulk food store and and go to the to the fishmonger. You know, we're, we're not vegetarians in our family. We meet once a week. but So we go to the local butcher and we take our own container. Mm. And I think it forces you into a... It's, it's a bit of a slower and a bit more simple life, but it forces you back to to making things from a lot of things from scratch and and just doing things a bit more simply and um, you know avoiding stuff which is heavily packaged, which has got a lot of food miles in it totally. as well. You know, you've got to eat what's in season and what's fresh. Yeah, and you know, it's uh, one of my favourite talks that I've ever seen is Alice Waters the famous American chef and, um, and whole food and organic activist. Um, and she talks about slow food values versus fast food values. And I think that's why that connection's so powerful when we talk about the plastic bags coming in at about the early 80s. You know, that was when fast food exploded. It's when junk food exploded. It's when packaged lollies and chocolates, compound chocolate came out on the market everywhere. You know, we really did switch from slow values to fast values and it was exciting and fast and everything was new every day, something new and and all those shiny packets and promises that were made to us, they're very alluring because, you know, if you look at nature, nature has a marketing calendar of her own and we are conditioned to want to roam and explore and discover the new thing, you know, around the next over the next hill and around the next corner and um, on the next coastline. Uh, And so what we need to do is actually harness our natural desire to discover the new, but actually realize that new doesn't need to be um, linear. It needs to be circular. And we need to start thinking back to that beautiful rediscovery of that food that we haven't had for a few months because of the seasons, you know, and, and get back on nature's marketing calendar instead of, um, instead of Nestle's marketing marketing calendar. <laughs> oh, ab- absolutely, and mm. that's why you know I love this kind of connection that you know that you know where I'm coming at this from the waste perspective and, and the packaging perspective. But I talked to 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 you, Alex, and and you know you've got this whole low tox journey you're on, yet they're very aligned. Or, or Jude Bloreau, and you know, mm. she's come and done workshops and talks for us on. On connecting oh, people back with yeah. their with with whole foods and making things from scratch, you know, like nothing is is in isolation. No, nope, um, it's not. It's all all these. Th- you start to pull at one thread, and this whole web kind of comes with, comes apart with you. And it's you know, I I like that those other, I, I like those other kind of positive experiences that people have. You know, I've had people say. I actually feel way more connected with my community. When I was going to do all my shopping at the supermarket, I was in and out and I didn't see people I knew, whereas now I've slowed down on the shopping. Um, That's actually what I said in my uh, in our email, you know, my, my church is, is where I go on Sunday morning is my local farmer's market and that's where we, you know, we we buy our, our week's worth of, of ingredients mm. to, um, and connect with our local community. There's It is hard um, to try and avoid plastic packaging but I think 
there's a lot of benefits that come with it as as well. So it's nice to be reminded of those. Yeah, and I think if we go into this thinking low plastic, not zero plastic, just like low tox, not no tox, you know, yeah. then, then you realise that you, you don't have to stress. It's just this exciting, curious journey of continually lowering the amount of plastic that you use. It's and it becomes okay. lovely and positive instead of I've got to do this perfectly, otherwise I'm going to Absolutely. fail and fall off a wagon and all that that sort of conditioning of being on protocols and programs that we've we've also grown up through the last couple of decades to to sort of you know fear failure before we've even tried. Oh, absolutely, and I think your description of it being a journey is just spot on. And, you know, people will often, like the first year they've done it, they'll just do the plastic bags and then next year they might take on a few more items. And it is it is a learning process. And even in my own family, you know, we'll take on a new habit and or learn a new skill every year. And it's, it's, it's about not trying to do everything once or about being Instagram perfect itself. <laughs> it's it's a journey <laughs> it sure is um and just starting to speak a bit more towards plastic free july as we um come to the end of our chat if someone's already low plastic what does what do they benefit from jumping in and doing plastic free july anyway is it about that community support um you have a facebook group for it don't you uh, we don't have a Facebook group, but we've got a Facebook page. Yeah, we... so everybody's chatting quite um, enthusiastically over that month, right? Hmm. Yeah, and sharing different stories and ideas. And, you know, what we often find with people who are already low plastic that, that might come across us for the first time, they love Plastic Free July because it gives them an opportunity to share the challenge and share the message with say at their workplace um, or with their friends and family in a way that's kind of positive and non-threatening. Um, so maybe they'll say, oh, it's Plastic Free July, I'm having a Plastic Free Morning Tea. Mm. And so it kind of, it, it's this licence to take the message further Yeah. and people really like that rather than them, you know, it's easy to feel like if you're super passionate about this already that, oh, there's old so-and-so banging on again about this <laughs> this particular thing and, and feel like you're isolated or you're kind of in a box, whereas because Plastic Free July is so big and it's a global thing, it gives people who are already um, passionate about the issue or, or working on it in their own community a license to right we're doing this because it's plastic free july mm. so it, it's it's built building off that momentum and allowing people to take it further yeah love it and um thinking about all these eight years and all of the comments you've seen and shared and and um, the stuff that you've learnt personally, what are a couple of plastic-free swaps that you've made over the years that made you feel like super clever? You know, some like there's a lot of things that you just stop using a plastic bag and you get a reusable bag, you get a reusable bottle. Those things are quite easy, but I'd love to see a couple that you've made that you thought, I did it, finally stopped having to buy that XYZ, whatever it was. Um. I'm presuming we can talk about reusable menstrual products. Yeah, of course. Everything <laughs> is on the table. 
Okay. Um, look, that has to be my number one um, mm-hmm. item. And to be honest, I, I used a reusable menstrual cup mm-hmm. and, you know, I was doing it because it was plastic-free and it was reusable. But to be honest, to me, the greatest advantage of that was the fact that I haven't had to go to the chemist or supermarket to buy anything in the last seven years. Amazing. And for me, it's that it's not only the waste, but it's just that incredible convenience um and and to be honest it's a huge money saver yeah. as, as as well um so that's that's really been my oh why didn't i ever think about this or know about this before um and then i really like the re, my reusable produce bags because again for me you know i had the plastic bag thing wasn't an issue um I, I I didn't use them. I, to be honest, I don't I don't really drink takeaway coffee unless we're doing a long road trip. I'm a cafe person. Yeah, I love, I love sitting in a cafe in, too. I love sitting mm. in cafes. So you know, like the takeaway coffee cup. You know, I've got a reusable cup, but I, I don't use it that often. But but for me, it was those produce bags um, to to put my fruit and veggies in, and because we get a lot of stuff in bulk, um, you know, I would I wasn't using much plastic i was doing a lot of juggling and spending a bit of time in queues trying to get all my <laughs> bits on the scales yeah um, but it's the you know being able to and, and, and the dry goods store i'd be using their paper bags but to have my little lightweight netting bags um that i just keep with me all the time come in handy for all sorts of things the odd beach cleanup um and, you know, I've been using my same bags. They're made from recycled plastic bottles for for eight years now, and I just love them. Yeah, I just love them. And, and, and to me, they're kind of a bit of a game changer. Like, like people know, even if you don't use reusable bags, shopping bags, you know they exist, whereas the produce bags is like, oh, yeah, we can actually live without the produce bags. And so it's kind of... Yeah, I think those would probably be my top two. Yeah, nice. Um, I actually don't use re- um, the produce bags. I just shove everything in the bag um, as is <laughs> and, and it's quite funny. And, and, like, I get why people like to use the produce bags. For some reason I'm just um, – my auntie always says I'm just lazy about things like that and um, <laughs> I just prefer to make a mess. But this one time I did make a mess because there was a couple of purple onions and things. Everything was just on the conveyor belt at the um, at the supermarket I was at when I was in uh, the US and um, because normally here I'd go to a farmer's market. But there I went to, a, 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 you know, one of the big Whole Foods. Anyway, so this um, this older gentleman was coming up behind me on the queue and he goes, that's such a mess. I was like, but that's so much less plastic, right? <laughs> and the cashier was like, wow. She was like on my side. I was like, wow, that was so cheeky. I love it. But I think, you know, it kind of calls for being a bit cheeky these days and saying things like that. And, um, and you know, when someone says, oh, do you want a straw? And I say, no, no, I haven't used a straw in three years. Like just to hear people around you, like for the people around you to just hear and maybe go, oh, why hasn't she used a straw for three years? Actually, Absolutely. yeah, straws are pretty pointless. And just those little throwaway lines can actually end up being your little bit of activism for the day. So, you know, we can't discount that. 
Oh, no, absolutely. And I think there's real power in those conversations that we have when we say no to the bags or the straws or the coffee cups or we take our own containers. You know, the, the more that we do it, you know, now at the local stores where I live, like that's pretty normal to take your own containers. So it's the, it's, you know, converse, those conversations get, get heard by other customers the the retailers can take them on the bo- on board and and so there's a real ripple effect you know i certainly you know my one of my greatest joys when i when i go to another to another um when I'm in another city or another town and, and I'd have my own reusables and they'll say, oh, yeah, we're doing that because we're doing plastic-free July. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing plastic-free July too. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you must get such an amazing thrill out of that. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. And, you know, and, and I do because I'm just so proud of every single person that has done something and, and made a difference. And if they if they hadn't, it would just be, me and my family and our, our little own own bin. Mm. Yeah, that's right. But it's not, and it's millions, and it's very exciting, and it starts very soon. Um, we've got all the details in uh, the show notes today, um, and uh, and so obviously join. That's the number one thing that every person listening to this show should do, no matter where you are in the world. And, uh, and just use those emails that you get, all the tips that come at you throughout the whole month to start to see, get curious, really. Even if you've been on a bit of a no reusables journey, there's going to be a next step. You're going to see in one of those emails that Rebecca and her team sends something you haven't done before or something you hadn't considered before. And then all the suggestions on the page as people talk through each topic or aspect of going um, plastic free, uh, you know, all the ideas that make it, you know, there'll be something there that resonates with, with you to make that change. Have you got, like, if you could just share one last piece of advice or motivation to jump on board back, I would love to hear some, some parting words from you. Um, I guess my, my advice would be just do one thing. Mm. You know, okay. if we all just do that one thing, it make a difference. And and if you're one of those people, and I'm sure you have many people in your community already, Alex, that are on this journey, they're pretty good. You know, maybe your one thing is is sharing it with your family and friends, or sharing it at work, or or talking to your local supermarket about their overly unnecessary wrapping bananas in bad <laughs> polystyrene trays. You know, we can all do something, and we all. We all have a voice. We're all, um, I prefer not to say consumers, we're all citizens and um, and I think if we all do one thing and say, right, for Plastic Free July, I'm going to do this thing and and that'll be a very different thing for each of us that, that really that really adds up to make a difference. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me and for creating this amazing vehicle for change for everybody. Oh, thank you so much for for um, allowing me to, to come on and, and for the conversation. I've found it really interesting. Oh, me too. You just learn something new every time. Absolutely. So do I. <laughs> mm, I know. It's exciting. And that's that's yeah. if I could give everybody just that 
like the one thing that I'd love for everyone to take away is that this is an exciting mission together. It's not all about doom and gloom and opening up the whale's tummies and sharing that on the internet, you know, like this really can be an extremely positive and exciting thing if we use those more harsh realities as fire in the belly for great change. So get out there, make some changes and join Plastic Free July. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoy having these conversations and bringing them to you. Now, where can you find me and Lotox Life from here on in? Well, you've obviously got lotoxlife.com and there we have everything beautifully organized into food, home, body and mind topics as well as kids and a whole bunch of free downloadables and resources to help you, inspire you to take community action and there's amazing A to Z recipes there if you're ever getting a little bit stale in the kitchen and a whole bunch of articles that I've written. You can also find me on Instagram at Lotox Life and also on Facebook by a page the same name. I make everything super easy, Lotox Life, so you can find it really, really simply. Thank you so much to everybody who leaves a five-star review over on Stitcher or iTunes or wherever it is that you tune into the show. And also to let you know that you can join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Lotox Life and come join the private Lotox Life Club. In there, over time, more and more cool stuff is about to be added. It's a place where we can continue the conversations, chat about the weekly show, you're going to get bonus Q&A and all sorts of things over time. I explain everything over on Patreon, so I encourage you to check that out. And in the meantime, I'll see you next week. Bye.